Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts Welcome to On the Edge. This is the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today, we are with Tamara Oswald. We're going to talk about happiness. I got some questions for her. Uh, how people get all caught up in this happiness Bengali. Now, this woman has a lot of experience. She is a life mastery coach and a former special education teacher. I love teachers. And it takes a special kind of person to work with children that have different abilities. I hate to say disabilities because they're different abilities than we have right here. They're straight. We're going to talk, talk about her book mm-hmm. and a whole lot more. Let's welcome her to the show. How are you, Tamara? Great, great, great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited too. I'm excited too to have you. Tell my brains how you show up in the world. How I show up in the world. I- you know, right before we got on, I was reading you this this prayer, and how I like to show up is a very loving, kind, compassionate person who's also confident and brave and brave, brazen. Yes, too. You gotta be it. You gotta take charge. And I I love being able to help people wherever I go. You know, there I have this cute little cup that says "Leave a sparkle wherever you go," and I love to put a smile on people's face and do that. So that's how I like to show up in the world. Well, it's easy to put a smile on your face, um, but sometimes people don't appreciate, value, or respect that. It's like when you pay someone a compliment, oh, and they just dismiss it, or they don't say thank you. Um, But we have to still forge ahead. We can't let the response dictate our actions. Would you agree? I absolutely 100% agree. Now, there's a lot of people that don't understand that part of it because of what's going on in themselves. Mm. They have these, these, you know, most of us are raised with these beliefs that are to say the least, not very inspiring, you know, sit down, be quiet. You're not allowed to talk right now. Um, You know, if they want to show their creativity or things like that, there's a lot of parents that say, oh yeah, whatever, you know, those kinds of things, when children get those at, at such a young age, they stick with them. And uh, it's so... It's fascinating to see the difference between children that have parents that speak life into them and the children that have parents that speak, I like to say, death into them. Because Mm -hmm. when you shut them down and you tell them that they're not good enough, they hold on to that. They hold on to that. They don't mean to, but it's a subconscious programming that just keeps playing until they catch it as an adult. 
Well, and sometimes they don't ever catch it and it turns into other things. It turns into, I'm not worthy. Uh, it turns into people pleasing. It turns into the imposter syndrome. It turns detrimental. They start uh, self-medicating or they start um, being mean to other people, you know, because they want to be heard. And a lot of times they don't mean to have this destructive behavior, but by them overemphasizing, getting loud, cursing, whatever, they get the attention that they need. And so many people are getting bad press, bad attention. How do we turn that around? How do we find and start seeking this thing called happiness? Well, the, in the Bible, it says the power is in the tongue. Life and death is in the tongue. That's right. You know, what we are speaking is what we are interpreting. That's what we're taking in. What we are hearing is what we're taking in. So to be careful about, and you know, and I don't mean like careful, careful as in like, get rid of everything, you know, but limit yourself to like negative news. You know what, what we call secret. Girl, I don't. I I hear what you're saying. I and you know what's going on in the world right now. Uh, I turn it off. I just, I turn it on to make sure that I'm not headed in harm's way when I go out to the grocery store. Other than that, I turn it off because the media ingrains it in you. My mother used to say, "Oh, don't turn the channel because that sweet wolf blitzer is coming on," and uh. It's breaking news. I uh -huh. said, Mama, this is the news that broke at 8, 9, 10.30. It's the same news as 3 o'clock now. No, it's breaking news. It's a psychological uh, neuro-linguistic programming and imprinting that they just keep ingraining in it, and it drains us. You know, you remind me of 9-11, when 9-11 happened. And they kept showing the same claims come you know the the same video of the same plane going into the towers and the kids they thought that it was happening over and over and over again and didn't realize it at the time but that kind of visualization we take things in and don't even realize it you know the kids didn't realize that that was just the same two planes over and over again so they thought it was over and over and over again, and it caused a lot of stress. Um, right now, we have all this, you know, they want to get, and I know, I know that these news channels want to get the viewing and things like that, and they, they have to get their numbers up, right, however they do it. We don't have control over that. What we have control over is our own selves, what we decide to put into our minds. So if we go into a situation like in a, if you go out to dinner and the news is on, you can choose to watch it or you can choose to walk away. You don't have to. So let that stuff go into you. All right. So you choose positivity and you choose life and you choose love. And both of you and I both share something on our desk, an hourglass. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's all about timing. Timing is everything. Every little grain of sand in this speaks volumes into our life. Now, this might be 30 minutes. Is yours 30 minutes as well? Mine's an hour. Yours an hour. So mine is 30 minutes. And I look at it, and I'm amazed by what happens in that 30 minutes, how I can be influenced, I can be impacted, my emotions can change, 
Uh, I can get good news. I can get bad news. How do we stay in the present in this thing called happiness? How do we stay there? Well, let me go into a little bit about what happened to me as a child. Okay. And then how I shifted that. So as a child, I, you know, I was raised with an abusive alcoholic, which is in my book, Short, Sweet, and Sacred. And as I was raised with this abusive alcoholic, I learned how to be very careful around him. So I would walk on eggshells, you know, and try to do things to please him. And like you were talking about earlier, you're trying to be a people pleaser and help people all the time. There's there's a limit to that, to where when it takes your energy away and when it gives you energy. I didn't understand that for a while. When I got into self-development, I just, I, I read a book years ago. Um, as soon as I turned to an adult and, uh, and I remember my husband, I, I was so excited about it. Right. I'm so excited. I'm reading this book. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to see this book. And my husband's just like, what are you talking about? You know, he's a very logical kind of guy. And I said, we need to paint freedom on the ceiling. You know, it's like <laughs> such a cool thing. And he was like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> I was excited, you know, because this was a whole different way of thinking than how I was raised. You know, when you're raised with all of the the negativity and the the abuse and the the put downs, that sticks with you. So when that book came out, I was like, I was hooked and started reading about all this stuff, how to improve yourselves. And that's when I decided I'm gonna go to college. So I went to college and I'm thinking, okay, if I have all of this stuff that's going on inside of me, how do I get rid of it, right? How do I get rid of all this negativity? So I'm like, all right, the world tells me I need to get an education. That's going to do it. So I went to school part-time and worked full-time and took care of my kids over the years. And, you know, uh, when I get to, I finally get my, um, about 17 years later, I finally get my early, my education degree. And then I um, get into the education and then I was like, you know what? I want to help kids with special needs. So I went ahead and got my master's in special education. And, you know, when you get into an environment like that, there's so much politics, you know, and it was, it, it was very stressful for me at the time. And at that time, my, my marriage wasn't going very well. My kids were grown. They had, they're leaving the house and I'm going through all of that, you know, so I had all of this emotion and stuff. And I really didn't learn much how to do with it during college. So about that time, um, I remember several times where I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm not doing this education thing anymore. I'm going to get kids when they're in preschool and, you know, and uh, help them. Primary, yeah, the formative years. At that younger age because zero to six are very important ages so i've um got opened a daycare and i was working with the kids in my daycare and all the parents loved it because they were the kids were learning they were adding they were counting they were doing all reading letters and sound outs anyway it was a great experience but it was 12 hours a day and five days a week and i was exhausted 
And I was telling my husband about it. And I was like, I need to do something where I can hire people. And then he was, he had his own limited mindset. And he was worried, like, how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do that? Well, that started me doubting myself. And so I didn't go bigger. Anyway, about that time, uh, you know, I was, I was overweight. I was, I was like 180 pounds and I'm only five, five. So 180 pounds on a five, five body. I was, I was definitely hurting. Mm -hmm. Get up in the morning and I couldn't move. You know, I, I crawl out of bed, get on the floor and do like, um, the child's pose and yoga and roll over on my back and stretch just so I could stand up. And then what I, I don't know what happened. Um, all my marriage was starting to really fall downhill, but I knew that there was just a mindset, like there's a mindset that's going on here. And all I could think of was I've done everything I can do to change my life, to be better. And even though I love what I'm doing, it's not my passion. What is my passion, right? So that morning, uh, this last morning, I was laying on the floor and I was like, Lord, I need help. I need help. And I just called out to him. I'm like, send me somebody. They're going to help me, please. And that day, um, I don't remember if it was my email or Facebook. I got an ad for um, life coach. And I was like, well, what is this, right? What is, what is this about? You know, I didn't, <laughs> I read all the books, but I didn't know what a life coach was and it sounded good. So I was like, all right, jumped in. Oh my goodness. It changed my life. I was able to take all of those negative thoughts that I gained throughout all those years, figure out first of all, that they were there because I didn't know they were subconsciously there. I didn't know that they were running my life, absolutely running my life. And once I found those out and how to use, so I, I teach the system now where you can go in, find out what it is and then shift it to your advantage. And when I started doing that, I was able to change my negative thinking into to a positive thinking, and not just like surface positive thinking, you know, because right. constantly. But you know what I'll tell you? I'll tell you, like I tell everybody, happiness is like cocaine or heroin or meth. It's a high. Or mm. people, people are always chasing that high. What's mm -hmm. the next new shiny object that's going to make me happy? Is it him? Is it her? Is it a car? Is it a purse? Is it a trip? What is it? So many people fail to realize that contentment is happiness. Being in the moment is happiness. Being in the present are conversations that we have rattling around in our brain. Instead of, like you say, focusing on that life mastery, even in your darkest times, you can be happy. Because you can realize that there's a lesson here to be learned and you have to figure out how you're going to process it and how you're going to utilize it, how you're going to change it, how you're going to implement it, how you're going to pour it into someone else. There's joy. We are all here to go on a journey and it's not always going to be uphill. We're going to have to 
you know, like a, like a boxer. You got to, you know, bob and weave. And sometimes you're going to get knocked down. Mm-hmm. But when you get back up and you look at yourself in the mirror and you see that you've overcome these hurdles like you did with childhood abuse, you say, look, I am now going to dedicate my life to helping others. Tell us a little bit about your life mastery uh, program as a coach. So, first of all, I love what you just said. Thank you. Chasing happy. What is happy for a lot of people? They don't even know what it is. And it's different for everybody. Exactly. And um, I was just reading last a couple of nights ago about how there's three different kinds of happiness that people typically go for. You know, there's the the happiness of having things, the shiny object. There's happiness of just being focused on a person and just showing them happy. Then there's the happiness of your internal happiness. And when, um, but I, a lot of, so many people have addictive personalities because they're looking for that happy. Right. So like, like they're looking at playing games on their phone all day, TikTok, porn, like there's these outer happiness things that keep them distracted away from their inner self. Right. When you get to the inner self and you find that happiness within yourself, that contentment, that love for yourself, that's when you are truly happy. And then it doesn't matter what goes on in the world because you can you get to choose how you respond to the to the world at that time. So most people right now they're just reacting to what's going on to the world. Reacting by how they were taught growing up. It and how you process it, but it's also the delivery. Because yes. there are a lot of people that push their anger off on others. Yes. Uh, you know, you don't have to go along to get along. You can right. resist that. You can say, this doesn't feel good to me. This doesn't look good to me. This doesn't taste good to me. So I'm not with it. And yep. I'm that girl. I will tell people in a minute, I'm not co-signing on that nonsense. <laughs> but if I'm in, I'm all in. So we have to really kind of find a balance. So through all of your experience, your education, uh, and your teaching, you wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Where is that book? I see it back there on the shelf. Yes. It's called Short, Sweet, and Sacred. It's called, wait, Short, Sweet, and Sacred? Mm-hmm. That is gorgeous. What's inside of that? This is the, the third volume. Um, international bestseller, which wow. is mine. Um, there's a, co- a compilation of coaches who have explained their story from where they came from to where they're at now, where they found their happiness, what they've gone through. And um, it's a beautiful read. Beautiful read. I bet. Why don't you share a little bit uh, of your contribution with my audience? How about that? Okay, so I wrote this story um, a couple of years ago, and um, this was like in a frustration moment, like, you know, I was getting to the end of it, and um, I was talking about my childhood, and then I just thought, well, 
why does this really matter? Does this matter? This life, what I'm doing, what I've been through. And um, it actually was kind of a healing experience for me. So I'll, I'll read kind of a little bit of what I went through and, and then um, explain a little more. So six years old, I find myself being molested by an older man again. I'm disgusted with myself for being in this situation. I do not know how to get away. I feel like I need to do what he wants or he will do something even worse. Seven years old, I wake up to my mom's upset voice. She's angry and scared because her new husband had just beaten her up so he could have her paycheck. As I walk out of the room, she looks at me through her swelled up black eye with the phone to her ear. She says, your aunt will be here soon. Pack your things. We're moving. We move often, so I'm used to it. But this time, I must give away my dogs. But on the other hand, I'm glad I don't have to see that old man again. About seven and a half years old, I walk into my rundown, very dark apartment to see a man sitting on the couch. The coffee table is littered with marijuana, spoon, syringe, lighter, and a big rubber band. My mom comes in the room to find me looking at it. Andy, her boyfriend. And she watches my eyes gaze back towards the coffee table. Then back up to her. She looks at the scene. She walks over to where Andy is sitting and says, get that stuff out of my house. I'm nine years old and Andy is still doing drugs and drinking. He's nice sometimes and other times he's explosive. His big, bushy, curly hair and ragged beard make him look even scarier. He likes to humiliate me in front of my friends and other adults. 11 years old, we moved to a new apartment. This one has a pool. I complete my chores and I'm excited to be able to go to the pool with my friends. I love spending time immersed under the water where I can drown out the noise of the world. It's my only peace. Coming up for air in the deep end, I see Andy at the entrance of the pool. He looks angry. Putting his hand up, he motions for me to follow him. I know I must, he's the authority. We walk into the clean house that I'm very proud of, and he points up out a napkin, which is hidden behind a table. He takes off his belt, he beats me with it. I'm crying because it hurts, and I'm ashamed, so I hide myself in my room. I'm 12 years old, and my mom arrives home. I walk into the kitchen to see Andy's first fist clenched back with my mom's hair in his hand. He's ready to punch her in the face, and I scream at him to leave her alone. He turns, and he hits me so hard that it knocks me out. At 13, my friends and I are going to church, and one of the church parishioners asks if we would like to like a ride home. So we accept, and we end up in this locked basement looking for a way out. We climb through a very small window that is high above our heads. I stand on my friend's shoulders and I climb through. And I'm standing at ground level. So I reach in and I pull her through and we run home. And her mom has the man arrested. At age 15, my mom has had enough of Andy's abuse. She splits up with him. Not long after, he kills himself. Now, as I got older, I got married, my mom moves in with us and her presence brings up so much hurt 
I resented her for putting me in all those situations. I let myself become bogged down by all the years of unfairness. I wake up angry. I go to bed angry. I lack confidence. And I'm full of shame that I just want to keep hidden. My anger is taking a toll on my marriage and my relationship with my kids. My work performance is in the toilet. And I feel like I can't do anything right. Is this all there is to life? Just to suffer and die? I see other people living happy lives. I know there's something I'm missing. I decide to find out how to be happy. And I love this quote. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Absolutely. It is so powerful. Um, and I can feel the quivering in your voice as you still read that. It still takes you back to that place. But those experiences made you the woman that you are today. Those experiences have given you your testimony. Amen. Those experiences <laughs> have allowed you to walk by faith and not by sight. Those experiences have been able to enable you to pour into others to seek this thing called happiness. So brains know that it is not um, the end destination, but it's the journey. If yeah. you have children that come to you and say, mama, something's not right. Somebody's touched me. Somebody's hurt me. Hell, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm ready to scratch your eyes out. Um, so it's important that we listen to our children, yeah. that we look at the situation that we're in, that we find self-worth, that we find value in adversity. Because time is still running. It's still going. No matter what we do, that time is still spinning. That granular sand is still dropping to the bottom. Where do you want to land? So we've done some heavy lifting. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. But uh, you know, you're right. Where you want to land. That's part of, that's the main key is having ignited vision. It's when you have the ignited vision, it will propel you. And as you're thinking about it, you know, feel it. We're, we're energy, we're spirit, you know, in this human body. When we die, that's, we don't just, our bodies will just turn into dust, but our spirit lives on. Well, so for, we, those, for those who believe in that. For those who believe. For those who believe in that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking it out with you. I don't think that I'm just going to uh, just dissipate. I really believe that there is something else bigger and greater, that. but you got to get through this portal. Yes. You got to, you got to. <laughs> My gotta, coach gotta, tells me you got to live one life at a time. <laughs> you, yeah, you got to get through this and that could possibly determine where we end up. Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? I don't know, but sometimes I turn on the TV and I'm <laughs> I'm in hell or I'm in heaven. It's all in your perspective. It's all in how you perceive it. It's how you know how you process it. What you allow yourself to intake. Again, mm -hmm. like the television, you can turn it off. Turn on some music. 
Go outside. Pet your dog. Get with your kids. Have a conversation with yourself. Journal. All these things are very important. Do some meditation, some self-awareness, some reflection. And you are not that person anymore. That is a part of who you are. But that is not who you always have to be. And I'm so proud of you, Tamara, that you have been able to make the transition because sometimes people get trapped in that space. They don't move beyond it. They don't want to help anybody else. They suppress their anger. So you have elevated yourself to the next level. Well, let's ask you some fun questions because we're all serious (laughs) right now. What's on your life list? What is there something that you still want to do that you haven't done thus far? What do I still want? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Thank you. I've had this, I guess I haven't defined it enough yet, but I've had this dream for for about, I don't know, two years now, where I want to run this resort for families where they can come and bond together and create lifelong memories together. I want to be able, I want to have a coaching session for them. So like some for the kids, some for the parents, like how we can use our mental faculties to create our lives so that we can react the way that we really want to react rather than react how we've been trained to react. And parents, they want to do a good job. Of course they want to do a good job. When they have their children, they love their kids. They want to do a good job, but they've got that cycle that sometimes is brought down. Like my cycle with, you know, my grandma was in abusive relationships. My mom was in abusive relationships. And when it came to me, I was like, I am not going to be in a abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta, know, you so break that cycle. Somebody's got to break that chain. And so I would love to have a space with teaching. I mean, I want to do it where I'm doing now and going out speaking to people. I mean, in my vision, I have like, you know, speaking to hundreds and hundreds of moms, you know, and just really encouraging them to use positive language with their children and show them what their energy can do. And I also want to have this big resort where I have like these beautiful cabins where they come in and they they get to cook together, learn how to cook together and, and work together and do team building things together, you know, kayaks and oh clear bottom boats so they can see the fish. I mean, it's just but, I got this beautiful. Well, you are already, you know what I'm saying? You've already achieved it because I'm a manifester. And yes. I, I could tell you some stories that would blow your wig back that I have really. This is one, for example, I was broke as a joke and I wrote myself a check, $5,000 and I put it in my purse, kept it for about six months. One day I got a letter from a company that I hadn't worked for in 20 years. They were sending me a check for $46,000. Girl, you could have picked me up with a poopy scooper. (laughs) Well. Can I share one that I did that got happened just recently? Yes. So my husband had been only making so much, you know, mm-hmm. a month. And um, we both sat down and we said, okay, we want this much a month. Do you know, two months later, 
he got a raise and we got that much in that month and it was over double what he was making and i was like and then um, you have to have faith you have to believe but you have to have a clear vision (laughs) got to have a clear vision what um if you were a flower in the garden what flower would you choose to be I would have to say a hibiscus. Someone else told me that the other day. They oh, yeah. The way that they bloom and how big they get and how the colors change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. And yeah. they, they've they also been, um, we went to Hawaii, which was another thing that I manifested mm. um, a few years ago um, for our 30th wedding anniversary. I wanted to go and it didn't look like we were going to go. And I just held that vision. and. Sure enough, we got to go and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. So I went to a botanical garden there and they were talking about how um, some of the people from different parts of the world brought in uh, the hibiscuses. I'm not sure if I'm saying that plurally correct or not, but but they brought them in. And when they did that, they they bred them together and made a hybrid. Oh, wow. So, and that was just beautiful. Of course, I had to take pictures of them all. I think my camera was full of them. But that's and my you favorite. You talked about something too, and I didn't want to. I don't want to conclude this interview without talking about you manifesting and your vision boards. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I have a different approach. I do. A, I do a couple different boards. I have a board of directors, people that, on a whiteboard. I got snapshots and uh, newspaper clippings or whatever. Of individuals that I admire, their wherewithal, their strategic planning, their bank account, <laughs> uh, their communication skills. And I have a meeting with them every two weeks. I put this board out, I sit there, cross my legs, and I channel their energy. I have another vision board of things that I want to manifest in my life, things I want to change. I don't just have the vision board that is just all warm and fuzzy. Sometimes mine has obstacles. Sometimes I put a stop sign. Sometimes I put a back sign because you've got to adjust. Everything is not full throttle. And you have to believe in that. When you create your vision boards, what do you do? Well... When I, when I create my vision boards, I actually go deep inside and I think, you know, of the, what is it that I really, really would love in my life? And I feel it. And when I do that, I go into, you know, like cutouts or I'll find pictures on the internet or, you know, and then cut, put those on my vision board. And I also choose words. Words are so powerful. So I will choose words that are uplifting, kind, loving, flowing, things that I want in my daily life, like um, being loving, kind, creative, the being confident, being healthy, being balanced. Um, and one of the best things this year, my, my uh, word is flow. I want to be in flow mm. and just you know, constantly giving and receiving love and kindness and love and um, teaching, 
teaching people how to be in that because when we're in that, that's, that is where your happiness is in that flow of love, giving love, receiving love. So many people don't know how to do that because of what they've been put through. So I teach them how they can do that. Give love and receive love. And it's well, you such are an love. amazing feeling. You, you are, are love. love. Exactly. Agape. Exactly. Yeah. And so I thank you so much for being here on the edge with me, Tamara. Uh, please tell my brains how they can work with you. Pick up a copy of the book. And I don't know if you're doing online vision boards. They love that. But also, brains, did you hear what she said? She wants a retreat. She wants to be able to take you to a sacred space, to love on you, to communicate with your family, to uh, allow you to pour into others. Help her manifest that dream. You know, she doesn't have to have the space. We could rent a Hilton or something. <laughs> but work with her uh, and share with her and let her know that everything that she's doing is not in vain. I thank you so much for being a teacher and educator, working with the children as much as you possibly could, uh, working through your own adversity and being a great role model. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you. Uh, so um, I have a website, but I'm working on it. So it's in progress and it's called sacredheart.care. So S-A-C-R-E-D-H-E-A-R-T dot care, C-A-R-E. And that just, I think that explains everything right there. You know, I have this, this heart that is just full of love and it's sacred for all of my people that I, I work with. And the care part, of course, goes with the heart. And I have an email. So my my email is Coach Tam, C O A C H T A M, five zero five at gmail.com. And that will be that's my my quickest way. I have another one, but that one is not as I'm not on that one as fluently. <laughs> Well, we want to be sure that we put all this information in the show notes, as well as in the back of the interview. We want you to love, like, share, and subscribe, Brains. I'm getting in your face. Love, like, share, and subscribe. Leave us a comment. You know, um, that's how we do what we do. That's how we get better at what we do. That's how we provide the information to you on the edge. Thank you so much, Tamara. Come back and see me, okay? Exactly. Thank you. Here's to you. You're amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, brains. Have a good day. We're loving on you. (laughs) 